Welcome to What The Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 decent cards still available. Uh, today I'm your host, Phil, and with me as always is my co-host, Davey. How you doing? I'm doing great. So we're coming at you. We're thinking about building new decks and we're thinking about building new decks because as some context for this episode, we just got our second teaser about Harrowdeep mm-hmm. and the new uh, the new realm that we are going to be exploring uh, in the seas of Ulgu and got a pretty cool uh, story background for the Harrowdeep uh, today. Yeah. Which, what what did you think out. of this? I thought it was kind of nice, um, mostly because Ulgu, I think, is probably the least explored realm. Um, for sure. For for those of you who double dip and like to go and listen to the <laughs> story dip. phase, you probably haven't heard much about Ulgu because there's not really a whole lot going on there in our stories. We hear a lot about the space between Ulgu and Hish. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically where Shadespire happens to be floating around. Yeah, yeah, it's where Shade Spire's floating around. It's where uh, Slanesh is chained up. Yep. But we don't really hear a whole lot about Ulgu itself. And so we, it, you know, I always appreciate getting the maps of the realms. And so actually seeing like, hey, here's some more like grounding places in Ulgu that can actually like anchor the, the setting. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. Um and then, of course, just learning a little bit more about, like, sort of get get the setup for how it is that we ended up there for uh, Underworld. It's always cool. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was neat. I thought there was um, some cool links. So, uh, what little we know of Ulgu, there's been some references, uh, particularly in uh, I would say uh, Josh Reynolds' book um, in that space in between. It's like these references to these mm-hmm. sort of elf gods that like perhaps older uh, than the chaos gods or, you know, there's, there's things out there. And then Ulgu kind of references those as well. Like these kind of um, entities, almost like a sort of a, a Lovecraft pantheon or something that, that <laughs> is ancient and uh, you know, unknowable or whatever. Uh, and it, I think it feels like it leans into that even more with these sort of Cyclopean underwater you know, like those, those are themes yeah. that you would find in that, in that genre of fiction. Um, and I, I like it a lot. I, I think we mentioned, I was like, uh, I thought it was fun to, to explore more. Like this is, I'm more excited for this setting than I was for Beast Grave. And not that I, not that I didn't enjoy Beast Grave, uh, but for somebody who enjoys the background and the fiction, uh, it felt like we, we already knew a fair amount about Gur when we went in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, Shadespire was kind of from, it was new to us, like the, the idea of a, a city ripped from, um, from Shyish. I mean, it, I don't know if you even, if, if you had to like say it was part of a realm, you might say it was from Shyish cause that's where it was torn from. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but so this, this feels like a fun new thing in the same way that, uh, the original Shadespire was a, a new idea. Like it was, informing some small part of the greater story of Age of Sigmar. Uh, in that same way, it, it feels like uh, this Harrow Deep is doing the same thing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we get some more expansion on that when we actually see the box drop. But uh, totally, folks will have to stay tuned to hear about that. Yep. 
But so, knowing that we have a new season coming soon, new cards, new factions, new mechanics even, uh, from some of the stuff that we've seen, we thought it would be interesting to talk about what is deck building going to look like post-rotation. Um, so that's our main topic for today. We're going to sort of talk through, like, uh, what is deck building looking like post-rotation? What 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 are factions looking to do? Um, where do certain strategies stack up? Um, and and just generally, like, where where are you looking to go uh, with with your cards? But uh, before we get into our main topic, as always, we've got our standing pieces here, and uh, we got some community shoutouts. Um, mm. Davy, who would you like to shout out? this time so we got two one is actually for an episode that i've not heard yet uh this is battle for salvation warhammer underworlds podcast they released their idnathep and it's with zach newcomb zach is an awesome player um he is one of the nicest guys i've met i i got to see him i got to meet him in person uh at the american team championships uh approximately four thousand years ago by my estimations <laughs> uh it feels Sounds that way right uh, he has been all in on chosen access for a long time, but he, uh, went with, uh, Ideneth, uh, and did very well in the recent online clash that, uh, that happened. Um, and so I'm looking forward to hearing his take. I shout it out because, uh, occasionally Max and I like to talk a little music. He's, he, uh, he's much more knowledgeable on the, on the subject than I am, like has actual music knowledge. <laughs> I'm pure amateur hour here. Uh, but, uh, he he sent me like a, a advance uh, advance edit of just the just the song he puts at the beginning and it is straight fire. So uh, I I know for a fact I've said this more than once. If if the only thing you tune in for is for the first three and a half minutes four minutes uh, to hear the song that he's recorded, uh, then it's it's worth the download. You should do it. But uh, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest because uh, Zach's the Zach's the heat and uh, you get to get in the mood with some sweet tunes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to shout out, uh, and I, I just saw this today. So I tried to contact this. This is a, somebody on Facebook posted one of the groups, uh, somebody by the name of Pang Liang, I think, um, posted up some artwork of Harrow Deep and they used like a Mike Mignola style art that would be the, uh, creator of, uh, Hellboy and that sort of whole thing. Um, it's not, it's not like a dead ringer for that, but it was really, really cool art. Uh, got s- pictures, you know, sort of drawn up uh, members of each war band uh, of the of the season as a whole, kind of like what things we know, like an interpretation of that. I just thought it was super cool. Got me got me pumped. Um, I wanted to find a way to share it. So I, I tried to get in touch with this person. Uh, it's only been a few hours and I haven't heard back uh, about how best to share it. So uh, barring anything better than that, I will try to link to the, the spot on Facebook where I found it. Uh, but, uh, I really enjoyed these and I think other people would too. And I'd like to get more eyes on this. So, uh, Phil, anything you got for the community? Yeah. Um, so obviously, well, not obviously, but still have not had a whole lot of time for hobbying, um, and haven't had a whole lot of time to just read articles. I've seen a ton of stuff being dropped and it all looks awesome, but I just, you know, I haven't taken the time, uh, been busy with work, but, we did get some really cool uh, shout outs and feedback about our live deck building episode, which we were a little unsure of how that was going to go over. And we were really happy to get that feedback and hear that people enjoyed it. 
So yeah. uh, I know I enjoyed recording it and I'm glad that people enjoyed listening to it. Um, and I yeah. hope that we get to do another one of those in the future. Yeah, I think uh, I think you and I was the most fun we'd had recording an episode in quite a while, uh, particularly when it's just, you know, it's not that we like we we enjoy doing them in general, but I think we got to the end of that and we were just real positive about like having had a really good time doing it. So, yeah, expect to see more um, may or not may or may not bring a guest in. Um, we had some cool suggestions on different directions to go with it. Um, so we'll mm -hmm. do that. And, uh, and we do have some ideas on some other sort of experimental episode, uh, types. So, um, when, uh, when time permits and when schedule, uh, is conducive, we, we may uh, roll some of those out, uh, and try some of those out. They, they, um, may or may not be, uh, <laughs> successful. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it, like we took a risk on that one and it, it kind of paid off and that was, uh, that was cool. So we just, uh, big ups very much. I mean, we appreciate any kind of feedback people can give us. Um, yeah, always. And, uh, it was cool to, it was cool to hear that that was appreciated. Definitely. All right. That's community shout outs. Uh, so what the heck has been going on with you? Well, um, I can tell you what should have been going on with me. It should have been uh, working on my hobby room. It is kind of a disaster right now. Uh, I am, I've got that kind of hobby sprawl where like, Oh, I know the you know, feeling. <laughs> the projects of like, I work on this project and kind of set that to aside before it's completed. And like, you know, when I'm, when I'm real focused, I'll have just the paints I need or kind of out, but I've had so many that like, now every paint is out, you know, Yep. <laughs> except yep. for, except for a few. Um, uh, so some of that needs to happen, but uh, I've been working on the, the worm spat. So, um, I had a start on them before and, uh, uh, kind of working on them a little bit more. I'm, I'm going for kind of a, a bloated drowned look, mm. uh, which I've seen some folks. I don't know why. I think the only way I know how to innovate is to try to do different skin tones, um, hey, it's, so, a, it's a good idea. Yeah. Really, really push the things there. Yeah. Uh, so that's me. What about you? Yeah. Um, well, other than reading about Harrow Deep, I haven't done much of it. anything other than deck building for Underworlds. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's not great. I, I also need to clean up my hobby room. I <laughs> I was recently just organizing cards again because yep. with rotation coming. And so yeah. I, for whatever reason, I ended up getting new binders for like all the seasons after season one. So the only mm -hmm. binder that didn't match was my season one binder. And so oh, now that's I've just like terrible. Wanted to get everything set up <laughs> again. But so now I have to like move all my season one stuff into this new binder. And I I don't know. I've, and I've got like warbands are all over the place and my my hobby space is a mess. But I did. I've started working on it a little bit. So, you know, sure. that's something. <laughs> yeah, totally. But but yeah, so hoping to get out on Thursday, roll some more dice, get get yeah. that get that going again. Um, yep. And then hopefully bear down and actually do some hobbying again for the first time in like a month. Sounds awesome. Uh, I should say like if we're including that in hobby, uh, I did have a big sesh uh, kind of associated with this where I, I broke down uh, some of my 
like basically all my existing decks and then uh filed away the the old Ooh. stuff um but the only only caveats being is that some of those cards that uh make it into a lot of decks like uh duel of wits so there's there's a there's a shade spark so i'll have like that way i don't have to swap between so mm-hmm. there's a couple gaps in those old binders but um, yep yep it was, it was satisfying options. yeah it's something i've been doing more and more i i used to like build and build and build and then like have that uh cast offs would just be a growing pile <laughs> in the corner <laughs> and all yep. of a sudden i'd be like i can't find any of the cards i need i'm like oh no they're in that like 300 card pile over there like unorganized so now as i as i tear a deck down i i put it away uh and it's it warms my soul to have that organization making aaron proud i know it's all i want in life (laughs) he doesn't listen i don't need to kiss his butt so (laughs) (laughs) yeah who needs to appease our overlord uh anyway (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I think, I think we can probably move on to talking about our main topic now. Yeah, Yeah. let's do it. Yeah. So we are talking building decks post rotation before the rotation actually happens. Yeah. But why though? You might be saying, (laughs) Uh, especially if you're reading our notes. (laughs) Yeah. If you're reading our notes, you would definitely ask that question. But, but many of you out there might even be thinking the same thing and we will say, or at least I will say, that I think that this is a good uh, palate cleanse. Uh, it's a good good mindset shift to just... Mm-hmm. If, you, if you believe that this is a competitive game and you want to be in a competitive situation, you kind of have to prep yourself for what the landscape's going to look like. And I think the only way you can really do that is to really strip everything down and say, okay, what are my new tools? What have I lost? Where can I go from here? Yeah. Um, and so I built a couple decks. Davey built a couple decks. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we've, we've come to some conclusions and we've definitely seen uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff that we kind of have been relying on that is not going to be around after rotation. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things that I feel like prompted this. One... Um, Matt, who was on our last episode, he posted up a uh, Blade Coven deck, and uh, I have a soft spot for them because I have a soft spot for underdogs. Um, oh yeah, and I just uh, I don't know, like I I not a general, not a fan of uh, elf warbands um, from a background perspective, but I I just kind of like how they have the potential to play. I feel like there's something to unlock there, and he he posted deck. I was like, that's interesting. I'd like to try that out. And I didn't even realize it, but uh, somebody else pointed out like, hey, this looks like it's rotation proof. And he's like, yep, that's that's what I do at this time. And I'm like, oh, right. Uh, and so put a lot more thought into it. And there was, there was further conversation. Um, you know, I talked about uh, trying to work on Worms Bat and thinking it was felt really hard. And uh, there was a, a user on one of the uh, discords that described it as irrational. And so that got us thinking of like, well, you know, if somebody thinks of it as irrational, uh, we don't think of it that way. So let's, let's talk about the reasoning for it. You know, that's, that's kind of how we, how we went. And it's like you said, it's, it's prepping. One thing that uh, I enjoy about it is that it's forward looking, right? So mm-hmm. um, right now, even our local is kind of in this lull and we're waiting on Harrow Deep to drop. Like that's the, that's the big thing. Um, and this gives you a way to kind of look forward uh, at it. And sure, like there are going to be universal cards uh, that will, 
drop into the pool. And uh, if it's in the style of Direcasm, which we have every reason to expect it to be, be now that Essentials are out, uh, the the uh, core set should drop with more Universals than uh, Seasons 1, 2, and 3 because we're not going to have the hold 1 through 5. We're not going to have the great strength, fortitude, and speed. We'll have yep. like all the Universals in that box set uh, with the ex- possible exception of, you know, whatever whatever is uh, Grand Alliance specific, you know, more more to be learned about that. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's, there's, there's more to play with out of the gate. So why would you start building decks before you know everything that you could actually play with? And it's because you get a sense for, like you said, what's missing. Like, what what did I lose? What what gaps remain to be filled? And so right now, it's a thing where, like, it's almost like build it now because during a regular season, when a new expansion comes out, you say, okay, here's the new stuff. How does that slot into, like, the decks I have? And, and you know, maybe we've talked about this before. Maybe you need to tear down and, and rebuild entirely. But knowing what's, what's out there, uh, like, what play styles are struggling like what uh you know where are the gaps in certain spots and so then if you see something that can fill that gap uh come out with the new stuff you're like yep that's it that's what i want you know like it it gives you almost like a a mental head start on uh what is strong right uh Mm -hmm. so uh you 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 once you know what you're missing you know what you're looking for when the new stuff comes out um and so um the more I thought about it like that, the more excited I was. Uh, and then I started trying to build my Worms Bad deck and I got a little discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's uh, I've got a couple couple versions built and I'm looking forward to trying them out this this week uh, against any and all that we can get out. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but based on that, like we had a couple ways we could we could think about it. We had, we had some thoughts, basically. Um, and uh, we'll get into those now, I think. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I'm I'm curious because there's a number of different things with specific factions that can make it easier or harder to handle a rotation. And I'm curious what it is about uh, the worm spat that had you discouraged, because I think that might be sort of insightful as to some of the reasons why certain factions would be Mm. well positioned or not to handle a rotation. I can tell you the most challenging thing uh, for the worm spat uh, for me was that their infection card support. Uh, it it felt like you know no no there's no faction out there where like every faction specific card they have is like a grade A winner, uh, mm-hmm. but it felt like um, I think the worm spat they might only have three surges in there and none of them are particularly strong. Um, and that is that is a problem at rotation time because everyone's trying to get those six surges. They want those six surges to to help out. Um, uh, I, there's just like a relatively low percentage of their infection cards, and so they are reaching out for the universal pool more. Uh, and then when the universal pool is drastically uh, diminished, and if you are in our particular situation here, it's even more challenging because the universal pool that exists, if you look at just the dire chasm cards, um, anything with hunger in it has, has like, I don't know if you want to call it the hunger tax, right? Like, so yeah. a, a lot of the hunger cards in there are, uh, maybe not that great. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more factions maybe looking at like, can I make something work with hunger? Cause there's just not that much out there. Um, right. 
you know, that, that might happen. So I, the, the biggest challenge I found was, uh, despite like decent stats, decent inspired profiles, uh, and some like innately good things on the fighters, it's the card situation that makes it challenging for them. Uh, and that's, that's where I ran into trouble. It was like, once I got done picking faction specific cards that I thought would help, I was like, Oof, I have a, I have a whole lot more cards to, <laughs> to pick up. So, uh, so yeah, looking, looking at what kind of in faction card support you have is, is an important thing to, to look at for if you're evaluating a, a given faction, whether it's your favorite or one that you've been thinking of trying out. Um, what did you find? Uh, and you know, listeners just guess what faction that Phil was working on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so the first deck that I worked on because it's the one I've been playing the most and want to keep playing is the stalkers. Um, and like you say, the, uh, in faction cards go a long way to helping prop things up. Um, and thankfully stalkers have a lot of really strong in faction cards. Um, like Astromatrix Alignment or Instinctive Tactics are two extremely easy to score surges. So that's already a nice bonus that they get. Mm. Um, but then you have things that start to become problematic, like the Great Plan. And so you go, okay, I need to have duels and hybrids in the deck just to make sure that this is consistent whenever I draw it. And then you look at the <laughs> universal pool for duels and hybrids right now, and pickings get pretty slim especially in the dual department um mm. in the deck that i ended up with uh the only universal duels i could find that were not pure aggro style cards were moment of glory and path to victory uh Oof. and then they do have one in faction one that i think is maybe playable with children of azir uh which is score this if all your surviving friendly fighters are inspired and surviving friendly fighters have three or more upgrades mm -hmm. so from what used to be some very easy to score situations to get a duel on a hybrid and then six surges <laughs> uh or no no you have six or more objectives and one or more surges my mistake there yeah um but but so like you start you think like oh well you know even this faction that has these really strong in faction cards, well, this should, this should make it easy. And then you're like, Oh, but there's these other criteria that you still have to fill. Sure. And all of a sudden it's, it's really hard. So, um, well, having access to good surges, I think, I think it, it's even, even more than that too, is like, you need to have a game plan that's fairly simple and like, is like, we're just going to do this thing. Um, so I, I was thinking about it and I think some of the factions that'll do really well post rotation. So all the ghosts, um, their, their game plans are always pretty straightforward. I think the grim watch will be strong still because they have an in faction temporary victory. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like Hrothgorn or, I mean, I guess any of the really big burly fighters should still hold up pretty well for aggro play, but yeah, um, well, you know, let, let's, cause there's several criteria that we're, we're looking at here, right? So mm -hmm. like specifically we're looking at which factions have good in faction card support, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and what you're going to do is kind of like balance these criteria against each other. So like you said, Grimwatch, they have some great, uh, in faction support. 
Uh, I think Dread Pageant is another one that like they've, Ooh, got, yes. they've got a lot of great objectives, like a lot of playable objectives, depending on which way you want to go. And then uh, a lot of like playable, um, playable gambits um, and then upgrades. Maybe it, it felt a little uh, scanter there, but um, uh, that's that's uh, those are strong ones. Uh, I And I think I think relatively speaking, despite the challenges you have with, you know, uh, with the star blood stalkers, uh, I think they have a lot of options there. Like oh, yeah. they, they have, yes. and because, because even if you're looking like, man, this deck is much weaker than it used to be. Uh, you have to grade that on a, on a curve, right? Cause like Definitely. everybody's taking a hit. So, yep. um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, a almost like a, a shorthand way to figure out, does your, does your faction have, good infection support uh hits on kind of another one of our 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 key points which is like does your faction have a lot of restricted faction cards right Mm -hmm. um yeah because as uh as matt pointed out like the the restricted pool like is much smaller now so there's going to be all kinds of small (laughs) yeah right there's going to be all kinds of of uh decks out there that are that are not even running three restricted uh, and what that does is it opens up some very strong, some choices that were like, this is a great choice and I just don't have the room for it. Um, and so if you're one of those factions that have a lot of restricted, so crushes or more flight or thorns or grim watch, like I think those, uh, that's a reason that they would be stronger. And we're, we're going to talk some more. There's, there may be some reasons why they don't surge up as much as you might expect. Cause there's, there's some push and pull going on here, but, um, that, uh, in that criteria, you're not, you're not flagging any, dire chasm war bands because none of them have uh restricted yeah. faction cards right yeah um so it's it's not it's not a perfect rule of thumb but it's a i don't know like it, it, if i was a thorns player i'd be excited about the fact that like oh cool like now uh what is it howling vortex like yep it's not so hard to to get howling vortex into my deck now because uh, there's just that much fewer restricted cards here yeah um, yeah lack that, of competition whole, yeah exactly exactly that whole point may like uh go to the wayside if they drop a far kind of alongside the new edition which i don't know seems unlikely but it, it might happen <laughs> i don't think anyone would be disappointed to see it let's put it that way yeah um yeah so then i think another thing that you kind of mentioned earlier is that like in the dire chasm pool unlike previous seasons we have a lot of universal cards that are tied to very specific mechanics so Mm -hmm. we have a lot of hunger we have a lot of primacy and still a fair number of hunter and quarry restricted checks um sure especially a lot of the like kill surges which i know i've really in the last season fallen out of favor just because there's been a lot of other much easier to score surges, but I think we're probably going to see them come back because the surge pool just is that much smaller. Um, and there's a lot that it's like a quarry got a kill or a hunter got a kill or you killed a quarry or like that kind of stuff. Um, and so like if you're one of those war bands that's kind of on the outside looking in on all of those mechanics, mm. you're you're kind of like Davey was saying, you're pretty much having to just either really like stretch to try and figure out how you're going to include that mechanic in your warband because it's not there initially, 
or you then have to just know that like you're playing down a good chunk of cards. Um, so when you do have those mechanics, that can be another sign that, you know, you, you maybe have a leg up at rotation. So I'm thinking, uh, the, um, mad mob, they could just play yeah. a big primacy deck and they can probably be pretty happy with that. And totally. Then Cause like every, the, every primacy card is a dire chasm card. Like it did not yeah. exist before the season. If yeah. you asked me, I would say, I, I thought the mechanic had been around for longer like I was, it, this is embarrassing to say, but I was like a little surprised when I was like, oh, right. It wasn't a beast grave thing. Like, just, <laughs> you know, you get used yeah. to playing with a particular thing and you think it's been around for a long time. But yeah, I think, I think they're, they're a prime example of a warband whose relative strength probably went up a little bit, um, just based on the fact that they can leverage all these primacy cards, some of them more than others, depending on how primacy gets ruled eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you know, there, there's, there's some, there's some surges out there and different things that depending on timing may be very strong for them. Uh, yeah, but yeah, for sure. Uh, but what else? Yeah. I, I interrupted you. What, what, what else, uh, what are the war bands that you categorize yeah. in here? I, I think, I think then also, uh, you need to give a, a long thought about where the, uh, vampires are going to be sitting post rotation and how mm -hmm. powerful they might be, uh, when they can just sit around and build up hunger and take advantage mm -hmm. of all this hunger scoring cards. Um, yeah. Like, like there are a number of fairly easy to score cards that it's like, well, is if, you know, if you've got hunger, if you removed three hunger or, you know, if your fighters have 10 total hunger and it's like, there's a lot of glory just hanging out there for having hunger. And most war bands aren't going to touch that, but they will be all over it. And, they might just be like one of the stronger warbands coming out of this. I have I have not finished building a deck for them yet, but I was looking at it and like their glory pool is pretty pretty large. Um, which I mean, is a little yeah, surprising. their card pool. Like essentially, if you if you consider the hunger pool, generally speaking, to be ninety percent off limits to most factions, you just they their options are so much wider, right? They're they're. Yeah universal pool is you know maybe 30 percent larger than anybody else's right now um mm -hmm. if you if you consider hunger cards as being good for them and not others and I, i'm just you know gut instincting that number but yeah yeah but i mean it feels like that's about right so i think that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens mm -hmm. there um so yeah, I I mean, I think it's just important to keep those things in mind as well. Like especially if you've been thinking about playing either of those warbands, like this might be the time to try them out cuz they might be strong. Sure. Um Yeah. What what other what other things are you looking at in a faction right now that might help uh to lead you towards a strong post rotation deck? Well, we talked about that far list. Um uh, I I think uh this, there's a single surge that everyone's going to expect to be restricted almost <laughs> immediately. Uh, it's I mean, a very it powerful be, surge. Right? right. Yeah. Everything to prove, right? Um, this is a surge that's going to be particularly powerful if you have a innate quarry in your warband um, or particularly powerful if you think you're going to give up primacy uh, and just get you going. And so anyone who's got like those small fighters, so like thorns or uh, star blood stalkers or, uh, or even despoilers, right? Like they've got yeah. the little guys, um, like that extra surge that you can 
get your hands on that maybe other people can't, um, or that other people have to work much harder for, uh, given that, you know, like we've seen some other things rotate out like uh strength of terror or, you know, things that, you know, the cards that would make you a quarry, there's still plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the cards that people would maybe lean on to make themselves a quarry, particularly an aggro deck have rotated out. And now you have this uh, extra challenge of, of uh, both becoming a quarry and gaining primacy. Um, and so everything to prove uh, if you're a war band that can use everything to prove, you're in, a, you're in a better position than the ones who can't because that is uh, one of the strongest surges currently available in the universal pool. Uh, yeah. And it's, it feels weird to say like your faction, uh, your faction strength, like hinges somewhat upon like how well can you leverage this one card? But I think it's, I think it's valid. Yeah. I mean, I think we've basically all found that having a surge pool that is smooth, like, Mm-hmm. that can make your uh, scoring consistent is probably the most important thing to have. And so having mm-hmm. these really easy to score surges really helps to make sure that you always have access to some glory. And this one is about the easiest you can possibly get because it's just right. going to kind of happen like one way or yeah. another. Um, yeah. Shout out to Dread Pageant here again. Uh, one of sure. the few factions that has an in-faction quarry and then also not bad at uh, picking up primacy um, if you want to go aggro. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like in certain matchups, they're, they're definitely going to get it. Um, their starting damage output is, is a little bit on the lower side. So they, their ability to one shot people is, is, uh, is challenging. Uh, but it's fair. Like they, they have it in a quarry. So uh, right off the bat, they just have the possibility of getting it the other way. And so mm-hmm. that means anytime they're fighting somebody with a two wound fighter, uh, you know, they have three of their, three of their folks have the ability to pick it up before any upgrades are, are even out there. So totally. Yeah. Anything more about everything to prove or any other particular, uh, objectives that you think are like strong signposts right now for things to be looking towards as in like, uh, uh, an objective that you could leverage, um, yeah, so uh, thing things that we're thinking are going to be sort of the drivers, the movers and shakers, things that'll lead you towards the strong decks at the early part of post rotation. Well, uh, I'll flip that on its head here. Like you're asking, are there any surges that like signify like, hey, if you can use this surge, you're in a strong spot. Uh, we'll talk about some surges that left that uh, that kind of counterbalances some. So some of the some of the factions that particularly like everything to prove, you know, Thorns or Grimwatch or or whatever that could get that um, by losing their little guys. Uh, they also really loved the surges for holding objectives. So we're talking about swift capture and hidden purpose and temporary victory, uh, and two of those are restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were they were a great source of relatively easy. Uh, relatively easy glory and they're they're gonna go like that those have been in for a long time I talked about like feeling like uh, uh, primacy had been in the game for a long time these ones <laughs> have been in the game for a long time um, and reaching back to our last episode I, I almost regret not uh, having swift capture as being a thing that I'd, I would be sad to see go uh, just because it it played into some of these flex decks and then it created this like constant mini game uh like objective placement was 
was drastically changed when Swift Capture was in the game. All of a sudden, if you were a hold objective deck, you you were trying to place an objective. Like all of a sudden, instead of placing all three in your own territory, you're like, well, I'll put, you know, if I if I get to place three, I'm going to put two in my territory and I'm going to try and place one in a spot yeah. that I can get to easily. And the other person knows you're doing that. So they're trying to block out the good spots for it or force you to place it in a, in a particularly bad spot. Uh, I think the things that Swift Capture did for objective placement were great for the game, really healthy for the game. Um, and there is, uh, there's not nearly like that. That's going to have a big change, but yeah. So these, these factions, um, that we've talked about as being strong because of other things like we've talked about thorns or Grimwatch or whatever, all of a sudden don't have access to some of these things. And, uh, it'd be interesting to see the push and pull like, like, Sure, they still got everything to prove. That's great, but now they've lost these other really strong options that they used to have. Where which one of those wins out? Like the you know uh, the help that they get from these, or, or the loss that they feel from losing these other surges. So that'll that'll be that'll be an interesting dynamic to evaluate. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess that actually is something that I was struggling with with the uh, stalkers. Um, mm-hmm. You know. I had been playing pretty hard, uh, hold objectives. Um, it's running at towards the end of last season. I was actually running temp victory, which I hadn't thought I was going to do because I was doing a whole bunch of just hold two. Um, but I found that it, it was just enough like of synergy of what I was already trying to do. Cause I wanted to hold three to inspire anyway, it was mm-hmm. like, well, I might as well put it in here because that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and like you lose out all that surge glory and now it's like, wait, what am I what am I going to do for surges? <sighs> um, and like don't have speed package really anymore. Uh, there's there's only one right. speed related surge left and that's winged death. And yeah, it's a much more aggressive card. So uh, yeah puts you in an interesting spot um we have one uh surge hold objective card that got left behind and that is fleeting primacy so it'll be interesting to see if that's strong enough to hang out because that's hold three uh as a surge for one or hold two in enemy territory and have the primacy token yeah i mean that's effectively reads as hold three yeah the the times you can score on the other side are are few and far between i mean it helps that it's a hybrid right for it it does but like yeah it's yeah it's rough so i think i think you're definitely onto something with saying that um there's gonna be an interesting push pull with hold objectives to start things off here because uh, <laughs> your your options are limited. Yeah. But I think, at least in my assessment, that has kind of been pushing me more and more towards more aggressive strategies. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how you've felt, but uh, it feels like the, especially the surge pool is really strong, right? Well, not really strong, but is m- much more geared towards playing an aggro style whether it's because it's stuff with like getting into enemy territory or just getting kills um like there's just a number of things that you can kind of just do naturally if you're already playing aggressively that something like a 
hold objective deck just doesn't have access to. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got Awesome Predator and Savage Exemplar and Branching Fate is always going to be around and that's usually pretty good for aggro. Um, yeah. So like just off the top, you can name, you know, a handful of universal uh, surgery. I mean, so if Surge of Aggression is real easy to include in your deck now that there's so few true, uh, yeah. restricted available and that is... Did I succeed? Like gain primacy, or did I succeed in an attack with four damage? Like that. There's uh, yeah. There's a lot of options there. Uh, yeah. And along those lines, there's a ton of kill surges, right? There's oh, there's so uh, many. There is uh, what is it? Impending doom, where I've got that's not a kill surge, but it's, I've got two next to somebody. Uh, there's you know, like there's there's all these ones that like did you kill somebody and did you meet this other condition at the same time? Cool, that's one one glory. Yep. Uh, and so if if you're going aggro, there's a lot of different things that'll feed into that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, end phase glory can sometimes be hard to come by, but uh, conveniently right now for aggro, we've got some nice options with things like clean kills. Um, for those who <laughs> expect their own fighters to die, pure carnage is a really strong option. Um, just because it's very consistent glory. Um, although it means you did have to bleed some glory probably, but you know, doesn't matter <laughs> if you can still get the win. Um, and so like, I don't know, I, I just feel like if you have a, a faction that is aggro with strong in faction cards, um, and can take advantage of some of these stronger, uh, universals, I, th- I think you're going to be in a really nice position uh, post rotation, which makes me think that crushes are, are going to be <laughs> coming back with a vengeance here. Um, and maybe aggro vampires too. You can kind of mix and match. Say, vampires, vampires are still going to be a huge problem for people. Yeah. Uh, specifically because they're going to be potentially well positioned for aggro, but also for passive hunger builds. So when you roll up for a best of three, your first game, you're going to be like, well, they, they have a strong build for aggro. They have a strong build for hunger. And again, this is, you know, uh, early days, the earliest of days, because we don't know what yeah. the universals hold, you know, but like, I, I think those are some predictions that we can see. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've talked, I, I wonder if hold objective might see something of a return to some of the uh, end phase scoring, uh, because we're going to lose mischievous spirits. I know that was restricted, so it's, it's by and large gone anyway, but uh, uh distraction going away yep mischievous spirits going away uh restless prize going away like there's there's a lot of things that were uh potentially damaging to that end phase scoring which may or may not you know and now that they lose some of their their surge scoring maybe some of those end phase scoring become more important for them so uh that'll be that'll be something to keep an eye on as well yeah i think it'll definitely be more important i do wonder It'll depend on how many of the factions within faction distractions actually still want to play them. Um, Mm, Sure. I think a lot of that has fallen by the wayside because there had been so little end phase uh, scoring for hold objectives. But if that comes back, like uh, Lady Harrow's is probably pulling in their (laughs) distraction (laughs) tech and, you know, you're going to play against it. And then, you know, just even looking at my 
stalkers build that I did, um, I, I was expecting to lose more push tech options, uh, than I did. And, hmm. um, so confusion is always in, so we can always do that, the little switcheroo, and that can be both a defensive and a offensive move when you're trying to get on or deny objectives. Center of attention is the same way. You can flexibly use that to either position yourself or pull somebody off. Yeah. Symbiote's call, I think, is going to be a really popular option if it's necessary um, because you can use it to push your fighter or you can flip a token and like that just can really mess up somebody who's playing um, hold objectives. And I don't know that we've seen a lot of flipping of tokens as like a direct countermeasure to holding objectives. I feel like a I lot mean, of it. I, I think, I think it was a great choice. Like it was a awesome choice. If you were a dominant position, uncontested player, right? Yep because it would get you onto stuff and then or flip something that uh, the opponent was holding. So like it would help you in there. Now the question is like, does it still have enough juice to, to help out if all you've got is dominant and you know, maybe whatever you've got in faction. But. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. Um, but I could see somebody bringing symbiotes call as like an anti hold objective tech now that's, and maybe it's not impactful enough, but like one extra hex is sometimes all you need. Um, I think living land will be super popular. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that one go restricted um, just because moving a hex can be really strong. Sure. Uh, as we saw with, uh, what was it called? Um, yeah, it was move it too, which is obviously way stronger, but um, everybody knows what that one is. I, I just can't remember the name right now. Oh, restless prize. Yeah. Restless prize. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean it's like the rest of the surprise light but with some other utilities so i expect yeah. to see that kind of fill that gap mm -hmm. but yeah um man i guess we've been talking about all these gambits i feel like uh after going through the pools gambits and upgrades are actually in a pretty solid spot i th i think there's actually a lot of stuff yeah that we still have oh, access to. I can agree with that. It, it felt like I had a much harder time figuring out what I was going to put in the objectives than with the, the gamuts and the upgrades. Yeah. And so I think, I think it's going to be far less important to be able to be like, Oh, look, I've got these really strong infection gambits or I've got these really strong infection upgrades. Like, yeah, that that's always going to be helpful. You, you know, you always take a strong infection gambit, but uh, I think everyone's going to have those. And I think the uh, universal pack pretty much guaranteed that like everyone's got a solid three or four of each that they can just always pull from, um, yeah, which I think shows essentials here. Yeah. 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 Essentials pack. And I think it kind of shows that the essentials pack is working, right? Like uh, those would be the same sorts of cards that we would expect to be reprints. Um, the starter box and now they won't need to be because they're just there so that that's pretty cool to see that the design uh actually worked to fill its function do you yeah. think there's anything in gambits or upgrades though that would sort of uh push things in one direction or another to be like hey if you've got this 
like that that could be again a signpost to say that this is going to be a strong option post rotation i mean nothing's jumping out at me is uh is the bottom of it um yeah i i uh, was i was thinking that anybody who's got infaction bonus wounds or infaction damage reduction both of those hmm. things feel like they're going to be well positioned to be like I mean, people are already running those anyway, but I feel like if you think that aggro is going to maybe be on an upswing, that survivability then means you have an advantage there. Um, that's a fair. That's a fair thought. Yeah, um, and some of that stuff is more accessible now, like the yeah, uh, they can hide or you know uh, whatever whatever the minus one damage stuff that typically gets restricted. Those are more there. Those are easier to pick up now. Yeah, and so I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if you see people running that stuff alongside bonus wounds and we start seeing the really big burly fighters again be really hard to deal with. Um, and that might be a nice way to even keep the somewhat seemingly strong aggro options in check. Mm. That's a lot of sort of speculation on where things are going what we've sort of seen in the cards uh how about so i've sort of talked about one of my decks that i built is there anything you want to talk about from your worm spat deck that you you sort of gleaned in that process uh so i i took the uh when i was trying to build something i took that uh that strategy that some people do where you go through, all right, show me everything is available. All right, now I'm going to uh, grab everything that looks potentially interesting, make a huge pile of it, and then try to uh, thin it down. And uh, when I did that, I was like, I feel like I've got two directions I could go. I could go aggro or I could go uh, defensive. Mm-hmm. And I think aggro, um, uh, I, like there's some more instinctive choices there, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, uh, so uh so the the deck i'm going to talk a little bit about is uh is the defensive one here um and it was mostly like like it felt like you can lean into the thing that they do strong and you know we didn't really talk about this but any any anything that a particular warband does better than anyone else um means a thing that you should keep an eye on so you know it might be yep. uh eyes who can make sure that a fighter you know, specifically the blue horror is there for more than one turn in a row. Like they can leverage that. Um, Skaven can uh, get fighters in enemy territory in a particularly strong way because they're, they're uh, return mechanic. Uh, Wormspat have the ability to not die. Um, and generally speaking, because of their damage reduction thing, they can mess with aggro. Uh, and so with the idea of like being aggro being, uh, potentially strong is like, all right, let's, let's look into that. Like you could stymie some aggro builds. Um, and then, uh, specifically like what, what passive scores do they have? And there's still some stuff out there. So I, I saw like magical mark, just all you have to do is have a, uh, wizard holding an objective. Well, that's easy. You can affect you at the back, mm-hmm. um, standing on something. Uh, it, she's got myriad incantations. Um, there's not a lot of great gambit spells out there but she could do it you know so you find ones that could feed into that um and uh they have a so i kind of leaned into those things that kind of you can if you can get enough glory you can score uh sitting back so um and if you're doing that if you're drawing a lot then silver lining opens up and so just looking at which ways you can 
you can lean um, in order to uh, in order to be able to like score some of these. Um, you know, like the the, the uh, enough is there enough passive stuff, and then will your uh, will your survivability upgrades and your natural survivability carry you through? Um, so that's that's where I leaned. What I found was that uh, I had some good stuff, and then I just kind of ran some of some of the passive things. Like I, I was like, well, you could you could there's some hunger passive uh, options, mm-hmm. uh, but the problem is that it committed so much of your uh, power deck to the hunger thing that you had to yeah. you had to go all in. So you couldn't. I didn't feel like you could salt it in. So I had I had that in there for a while and had to remove it. Um, uh, even some of these, like if you have myriad incantations, like I was talking about, it's only one glory. And all of a sudden you're like doing a whole lot with your game. It's like, okay, like <laughs> it's two enough. Probably not. I need to have, I want to have three so that if I draw it, uh, even if the other person doesn't have a, a wizard, I want to be able to score it even if I, you know, so it means I need to have probably at least three. So I have one in my hand at the start and can do that, yeah. you know, um, and if I'm doing this thing with silver lining and myriad, that means I really care about power cards, which means I probably better get dual wits in there so I can draw more cards, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, uh, feeds in. Um, but it was it was uh, drastic enough that I, I found that like I guess I need to take strong start, you know, uh, with the idea that I I will have to punch back eventually. So, um, it it felt like uh, at first I was like, there's tons of options, but many of those options try to push you in a particular direction uh, and you run out of run out of runway real fast on your, on your upgrade or on your uh, gambits was where I felt the, the most pressure. Um, once I, you know, we, we talked about there being a lot of gambits out there, but if you're, if you're trying to go defensive, you have to kind of commit to, to a few different options. So um, that's where I ended up. Yeah. I think, I think that's an interesting point that like, it's not always just like, are there available surges? Are there available end phase cards? But then also like, once I start to build this together, how do I make it cohesive? Um, and I think that that's also something I was seeing with trying to build for, uh, you know, the, the great plan. And it's like, you know, you start to make certain decisions and it leads you down a path. And I feel like towards the end of last season, a lot of the times you'd start to just sort of put stuff together and you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is all coming together. And then it just kind of works and Mm. it all kind of slots together and, uh, kind of grinding the gears here a little bit. Um, (laughs) as soon as you try and think there's something there, it's like, oh, but then I've got to, you know, oh no, I've got to take this other stuff out because it's like working against that strategy or it's not working towards it, I guess. Um, Mm. So I think that'll also be an interesting thing to see, like who, which war bands can have not just like good individual cards, but good cards that all work together in like in a synergistic way to allow for yeah. that smooth, consistent game. Yeah. Um, that I haven't looked enough at to have even have an answer as to who's going to be able to be in that position. Uh, right. But I think that'll be an interesting space to watch. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be, uh, some of this also depends on how they roll things out, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah traditionally definitely. we've seen the, uh, the core set drop and then pretty quickly after, uh, the first one or two war bands arrive. So, 
um, the universal mm-hmm. pool can mm-hmm. sometimes grow mm-hmm. pretty quickly right out of the gate. But yeah. Um, so that pretty much I think is everything that we had wanted to say. Is there any other topics that you thought uh, were worth calling out for trying to build a deck post rotation? Uh, only that, uh, like I said, you know, I, I kind of found a lot of in this defensive build and we'll have the links for both these decks in our, in our show notes, uh, in this defensive build, you know, I'd include something and it, it was, it was kind of like a fresh, you know, instead of having the things where I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to keep reaching for this because I know this is strong. I've used mm-hmm. it a lot of times. Uh, all of a sudden it was right from the start. So I get to the end, uh, and I can even say with the, the one I, I currently have, you know, I got to the end and I'm like, yep, I've got, uh, uh, promise of destruction, which is there are one or more persistent gambits, uh, and started out strong on that. And then looking at it now, I'm like, man, I trimmed a whole bunch of those out. And now I basically have like, I've only got one to score it off of. So that's got to change. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, it was, uh, it's an iterative process, uh, to, to do and, uh, substantially harder because you, all your sort of shortcuts are, are gone again, like the, the stuff that you're used to doing just on impulse or not impulse on instinct, uh, yeah. out of habit, muscle memory, uh, building your deck, uh, those you, you have to kind of relearn it almost, um, and get back. And that's, that's good. Like that's a, that's a fun way to do it. So, um, it's not something I do enough. Like I, I, I will freely admit I do probably more, uh, deck poaching than I do deck building. Um, and then tweak, you know, I'll take somebody else's deck and then tweak it. Um, uh, but this is, this is a good, uh, a good exercise for me to, to do, to, um, get a, get ready for the new season because everything's going to be new for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who do like building decks, uh, this is the time like go wild, try new stuff, do experiment, do things that maybe aren't going to be good. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. you, you probably won't know unless you try it. And I think, I think what, what you're saying, I feel that too. Like, uh, there were times where it's like the first like eight objectives in my deck it was almost like automatic. I'd just be like, well, these ones, these ones, these ones, and then this, that, and that, because they're my faction. And then like one more surge that I know is super easy. And it's like, well, most of my decks already built and it was just yeah. on autopilot. Like I'm not even yeah. really thinking about it. Uh, so that's definitely exciting. I, I always love that part of rotation getting to like dig in and be like, what, what is here? What, what are the new things that we could do that, uh, we haven't been doing or have never done. Um, and maybe someone will like find that like weird off off brand hunger build that doesn't use vampires and makes that work. And uh, that would be really cool. It'd be really fun. Um, yeah. So might be out there. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, if you would like to get in touch with us to talk about Anything we've said on this episode, if you've got decks that you're super excited about or other ideas for post-rotation or just anything about the game in general and would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at WCHCast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. 
And like we were saying with Ulgu earlier, if you would like to hear any more about the stories of the Mortal Realms or any of our other content, you can run over to themortalrealms.com, uh, check out all our other shows. Um, if you'd like uh, to, you know, become a supporter of the the overall channel, um, you can feel free to jump on our Patreon. Uh, otherwise, we'd just love to hear from you. Um, just just any sort of feedback that you've got for us, it's always appreciated. Um, coming up next, we are really hoping that we will have <laughs> enough Harrow Deep info that we could have our next episode be about Harrow Deep and the new factions and new mechanics and all the stuff that everyone really wants to see. Um, yeah. Because those initial images look juicy. Uh, yeah. I am super Tell excited about it. so hopefully that'll be what uh, what's up next um if you know if they just keep teasing us for weeks on end and we don't see any substantial information we will come up with something do not worry um but yeah uh any recommended listening for folks today davy Sure. This is a track I'm only familiar with off of the, uh, the soundtrack from the movie singles. Uh, it's uh, waiting for somebody by Paul Westerberg fitting. Well, for what the hex I've been Phil and I've been Davey. I'm doing great. Uh, other than the fact that I just had a light blink out over here, I gotta figure Uh-oh. out. It might have been a bulb. Real interesting stuff, but it's uh, <laughs> as long as you don't lose your internet while we're recording. Yeah, that's yeah. All no, that matters. I'm, 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 I'm assessing. I think everything else plugged into that is still going. So carry okay. on. Good. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> well, disaster averted. Whew, Real exciting well, stuff, listeners. Stick with us. That one. For yeah. This thrill ride. <laughs> Uh, just pause here. I got an alarm going off on my phone. Real mm, professional right. here. I don't know if you can hear that. All right, I'm back. Cool. Uh, yeah, and that is definitely the bulb. Went. It, it's a it's a cool like bulb. My spouse got me for uh, uh, kind of like having a. a whatever extra uh like it, it's a i don't know like a, a toned bulb or whatever for lighting mm-hmm. the painting area sure uh but apparently it has a very powerful incandescent element in it because it is burned out and the room down here smells like burning but oh uh, oh my <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking it's it's only that bulb that uh that went on us so mm. uh yeah at first well, i was like do it am i is my house on fire no it's just <laughs> this, this one bulb anywho Cool. That's more for after the credits, I guess.